Thank you, Zach, for reading our scripture tonight, and thank you for being here. Grateful for this hour that we have to be together tonight. We're very thankful for the opportunity that presents itself each week for us to come together to be encouraged, to be encouraged by one another and also to worship God. Very grateful to those of you who may be visiting. As always, we invite you to come back. We're very thankful for the visitors who, are, who come our way each and every week. Uh, very thankful for you, and we want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We are going to be looking at Revelation chapter 14, verse 13 tonight. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. And tonight we're going to be talking about the subject, the death of a saint. John wrote the book of Revelation to Christians who were suffering. Many of those Christians were facing very difficult times. As a matter of fact, the seven churches of Asia. John speaks in a very candid way about the difficulties that they faced. The church at Smyrna, for example, when the Lord surveyed that church, he talked about their works and their tribulation. And he would encourage them to fear none of those things that they were about to suffer. And so suffering was very real to the saints in the first century. Some of those Christians were being martyred. And so John is writing to encourage, to lift them up. And I think sometimes in a world filled with death and sorrow, we need to be encouraged. Somebody said on one occasion that we live in the land of the dying, but we are longing to go to the land of the living. And I think about the fact that at some point in time, we will all step out into eternity. And so in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, John writes, as Zach read a moment ago, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Think with me for a moment or two about the death of a saint. And as you read this verse, as we read this verse together, there are several things that come to mind. I want to call attention to four very specific things that I believe are found in this lesson text. Number one, John speaks of our passing. The fact that at some point in time, we will all step out into eternity. He said, blessed are the dead, reminding us of our brevity. And you think about the brevity of life, and the Bible addresses the brevity of life on many occasions. Job wrote in Job chapter 14, verse 1, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. I think about Jacob as he stood before Pharaoh after having been reunited with his family. You remember as Jacob had the opportunity to talk face to face with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he said, the days of the years of my pilgrimage have been 130 years. And then here's what he said, few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. On this occasion, as he stood before Pharaoh, Jacob said he had lived to be 130 years. That's quite a long period of time here upon planet Earth. And yet, he described life as a pilgrimage, and also he underscored the brevity of life. He said that his years had been few. That's what Job said. You remember in Psalm chapter 90, the psalmist many, many years ago said that we might live to be 70 years of age. He said it might be that we live to be 80 years of age. And he said those years are accompanied by strength, sorrow, and labor. 
And then he said, it is soon cut off, and what happens? We fly away. And so his exhortation to people of every generation, so teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom. And so again, the brevity of life. John here is writing to people that are facing death, the prospects of death looming before them. And so as we think about the concept of passing from this life, we are reminded of the brevity of life. And then James, in James chapter 4, verse 14, compared life to a vapor that appears for a little while, and then he said it vanishes away. As James, or rather as John wrote the book of Revelation, as he wrote to people who were passing from this life, reminding them of the brevity of life. Some of those people, as I said a moment ago, were faced with tremendous burdens in life. I mentioned, for example, the saints in Smyrna, the seven churches of Asia Minor. Some of those saints were facing very difficult times in their faith. And yet the exhortation was to be faithful unto death. That is, even in the face of death and the promise being the crown of life. As we live here upon planet earth, we understand that burdens are a part of life. Again, Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. It's unlikely that we will get through life unscathed. Many of us face debilitating illnesses and diseases. Some face any number of heartaches and sorrows upon planet Earth. And those difficulties in life cause us sometimes to long for a better life, right? And I think about the blessings of living in that land of the living where death and sorrow and pain and the burdens of life will be no more. And then I'm reminded very quickly of the blessings of life. You ever think about the blessings that God bestows on you? We talk about the brevity of life and how quickly life gets away, and I understand that. But how blessed we are to live on planet Earth. And we think about the fact that God is the dispenser of every good and perfect gift. That's what James said in James 1.17. The psalmist said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. God has been so good to us. And you think about all the benefits and the blessings that you enjoy in life. And many times when people ask us to reflect upon the things that we treasure the most, sometimes we think about physical and material things, don't we? But I would remind us that some of the greatest blessings that we have in this life are the associations that we make. Think about how, think about how blessed you are to have a good family. You know, if you've got a good family, I would encourage you to get down on your knees and thank Almighty God. There are some people in our world today, they're not blessed with a good husband, a good wife. They're not blessed with children or grandchildren. They're not blessed with siblings. And yet, to think about the treasures that we enjoy in this life and the blessings of family. It might be a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, Somebody that makes you smile on a daily basis. I think about people that have blessed my life and my family. And I would add to that, not just our family members, but our friends. Friends and family can make your life complete. I was thinking on the way to services tonight about my grandmother. My grandmother died, well, she's been dead 30 years. When I was in college, I used to have the opportunity to stop by her house just about every day. I didn't work far from where she lived. So when I'd get out of school, I'd run by her house and 
many times, well, just about every time, she always had me a, always had me a lunch ready. And let me tell you what, it was the kind of lunch that you enjoyed sitting down to. The old-fashioned meal. And I was thinking about how much I treasured that time that I had with her. And as I drove tonight to services, I thought about, you know, and you may think this is crazy, I'd give $1,000 to be able to sit down and eat dinner with her right now. I miss her. And I think about the friendships and the family members that bless our lives. And you know, there are, there are connections that we make in this life. And, and life is short, isn't it? And I would encourage all of us, tell your friends and your family members how much you love them. Tell them how much you care for them. Spend time with them. Let me tell you what, there will come a day you won't be able to spend time with them anymore here on planet Earth. And I think sometimes we take for granted the time that we have with people, don't we? You know, life gets by so quickly. As a parent, think about how quickly your children grow up before you. I mean, it's like one day they're in the cradle, the next day they're in college. I mean, life moves at a rapid pace. And so as we think about the blessings and burdens of life and the fact that one day we will pass from this life, because that's what John... That's what John is saying. Take time in life to appreciate the good things that God has blessed you with. And there are a lot of blessings that we enjoy in life. And I would encourage us to, to really focus on the good things rather than the bad things of life because there are a lot of bad things going on in, in the world. If we allow ourselves, we can become pessimistic and view life through a negative lens. But think about the good. And give God thanks for that. So first, John addresses our passing from this life. But then secondly, he talks about the place of our, of our passing. Look again at verse 13. He said, right, blessed are the dead who die where? In the Lord. There are really only two possibilities when it comes to dying. Either we can die in Christ or we can die outside of Christ. There's only one real place to die, and that's in Christ Jesus. I mentioned a moment ago the blessings and the favors that we enjoy in this life. And they're abundant. But when we talk about coming to the end of life here on planet Earth, what is the absolute most important thing to have lived in Christ? You remember in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer talks about those great people of faith. And over and over again, the expression is used by faith. He talks about people like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and so on. Then in verse 13, he said of these great patriarchs of the past, these all died in faith to die in Christ Jesus. You know, when the apostle Paul wrote his last letter, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul was writing as a servant of the Lord, wasn't he? He was writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. And when I read the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy in the latter part of the 60s, in about A.D. 68, Paul said, look, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I've finished my course. 
He said, henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. And he said, that crown is promised to all who have loved his appearing. That would be inclusive of us, wouldn't it? Now you think about the opportunity to be a Christian, to live for Christ. Do you remember the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Philippi? Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul said, For to me to live is Christ. But he said, to die is gain. Paul's life was about Jesus Christ. It was about Christ and Him crucified, Galatians 2, verse 20. That's what his life was about. And Paul lived every day with the conviction that Jesus Christ had died and rose again and that He would one day come again. But Paul recognized the blessings of being in Christ. And so in writing to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 10, he said, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain salvation which is in Christ Jesus, listen to him, with eternal glory. To be in Christ Jesus and to die in Christ Jesus. To know that we have hope. Paul would say to depart and be with Christ, he said it's far better. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, he said to be absent from the body, listen to him, is to be present with the Lord. Paul lived a life focused on Christ, but he longed for that day when he would be with Christ. And so, Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, John speaks of our passing, yes, but he also addresses the place of our passing. Now, we talk about being in Christ. And the beauty of being in Christ is that we are also in the church of Christ. And why be in the church of Christ? Because that's the community of the saved, isn't it? Every Christian, every child of God, every baptized believer is in Christ and in the church of Christ. And sometimes people ask the question, well, how do you know that? Well, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible tells us that those people on Pentecost Day were instructed to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Verse 41 says some 3,000 people obeyed the gospel on that day. Verse 47 says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. To be in Christ is to be in the church of Christ. And to be in the church of Christ is to be in that institution that God has promised to save. Ephesians 5, verse 23. The Bible says that Jesus is the Savior of the body. And so John in the Revelation speaks of our passing. He speaks of the place of our passing, but then also there's a third thing that he addresses, and that is our promise. Listen again to what he said. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest. The promise of rest. You know, sometimes the lessons that I present are a result of previous experiences, sometimes recent experiences. And recently I have been in the presence of people who've been hurting, who have been suffering, some who, quite frankly, are not long for this world, if you know what I mean. Not long ago, I was visiting with a brother. And here's what he said. 
I am so tired. I'm just tired. Isn't it true that as we grow older in life and our bodies are encumbered with sickness, disease, disability, isn't it true that we grow weary and tired and we long for a better day? Sometimes when I visit people, particularly people who are facing some very difficult times, I'm reminded of the fact that for some, they're not going to get better. Their, their strength is not going to return. That health and vigor that they once enjoyed, it's gone. There's basically real world no hope this side of eternity. And so as we grow older in life and we talk about the troubles and the trials and the tribulations and the, the sorrows that we bear day in and day out, isn't it the case that there comes a point in time in life when we long for rest? Listen again to what John said. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest. Aren't you grateful that there'll come a time when we can rest? Freed from the heartaches and the troubles and the trials of this life. As I think about the rest afforded those of us who belong to the family of God, I'm reminded of the fact that there is coming a day when we will be reunited with people that we have long since been separated from. There's coming a day in which we'll be reunited with people that we have loved and spent time with here on planet Earth. Back in the book of Genesis, the Bible speaks in a very candid way of the death of Abraham. And Abraham was the father of the Hebrew nation, wasn't he? And Abraham was this great man of faith. And I think about all the, the different things that Abraham faced in life. Dave, Abraham experienced the loss of his mate, a woman by the name of Sarah. And I know that that loss must have pained him greatly. And I know that Abraham no doubt shed many tears for her. But in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, as Moses records his death, the Bible says that he died at a good old age. He was an old man. And Moses said he was gathered to his people. Now, sometimes there is a lot of importance attached to a very simple phrase. And what Moses is saying there is this. When Abraham stepped out into eternity, he was gathered with people he had known and loved. So what does that say to us? It says to us that when we leave this world and we step out into eternity, 
We are stepping out into eternity to be with those that we have known and loved in days gone by, others who have died in Christ. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross and one of the thieves said to Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And what was it Jesus said today? He said, you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, I think about not only will we be in the presence of people that we've known and loved down through the years, but we will be in the presence of God. The Bible says we will see Him as He is, for we shall be like Him. Can you imagine what it'll be like to be in the presence of the Lord? I mean, we talk about the Lord. And we go back and we look at the Old Testament and we read about God the Father, the Spirit, the second member of the Godhead, the Word who ultimately became flesh. And how many times have we read about the Godhead and we've talked about the Godhead. We've prayed to God the Father. We've talked about Jesus as our brother. And we talk about the relationship that we have with deity, but to know that there is coming a day when we will be in the presence of God. Staggers the imagination, doesn't it? And you think about being in the presence of God forevermore. To be reunited with people that we have known and loved and to be in the, in the presence of deity. And then there is a fourth thing that John speaks of. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. John speaks of our passing. He identifies the place of our passing. He addresses the promise of rest. And then he speaks of our productivity, our labors. Listen again. That they may rest from what? From their labors. And their works, he said, follow them. You know, the Bible talks about our efforts in the name of Christ. The fact that our labors will not be forgotten. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 6 that God is not unrighteous to forget our work, listen to him, and labor of love. In Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus pictures the judgment day, he talks about those on his right hand that will hear the words, come, blessed to my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. He said, I will say to those on the right hand, what will he say? I was hungry, and what would you do? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was sick and in prison, and you visited me. What was it about these saints? Commendable by the Lord, their work, their labor of love, their efforts on His behalf. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The Bible says that our lives are to be a pattern of good works. And John here is writing to Christians who have no doubt expended great labors 
in the kingdom of God. And he said they can now rest from their labors. Sometimes we talk about burning the candle at both ends and laboring and working to the point of exhaustion, to the point of weariness. And what John is saying is there's coming a day when we can, when we can literally lay aside all of our labors and works and toils and rest. I want you to think about something for a minute or two. We talk about our labors for Christ. But let me add this very quickly. What about our legacy? How will we be remembered? How will you be remembered? You know, there will come a point in time in life when people will no longer speak of us in the present tense. If the Lord delays His coming, then there will come a point in time in history when our name is mentioned in the past tense because we're gone. What you do today and what you do while here on planet Earth will say something about how you'll be remembered. Let me just share with you a passage that I think is very special. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. As we think about our legacy, many of us are familiar with what has been recorded in the latter part of chapter 31 about the virtuous woman whose worth is far above rubies. And let me just say, when I read this passage of Scripture, I have to be impressed with this lady. I mean, you talk about an ideal woman, a woman that excels in every area of life. This is the woman. She's very special. She's industrious. She's dependable. She is thrifty. She's godly. I mean, she, she is the ideal woman. And let me tell you what, her family members take note of it. And you think about how you're living. And you think about what you say, what you do, how you carry yourself the things you involve yourself in, the works that you're involved in. Somebody's taking note. Her family was taking note. And so listen to what is said. Down in verse 26, the Bible says, She opens her mouth with wisdom. On her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Now look at verse 28. Her children. Rise up and call her blessed. Don't you think that, that her children recognized, you know what, we've got somebody very special looking out after us. We've got a mother that loves us, that'll go to bat for us, that'll stand beside us, that will protect us, that will lead us where we need to be. And then note, not only do her children rise up and call her blessed, 
her husband also. He praises her. I had a I had a former professor say one time, he said, you know what, if you have a good wife, you need to get down on your knees and thank Almighty God. Now you think about, here is a woman that has made an impression, not just on her children, but on her husband. And I think about, here is a guy that's saying, you know what, There are a lot of ladies out there. There are a lot of women. There are a lot of good women out there. But I've got the best of the best. We talk about the cream of the crop. Here's a guy that understands, you know what? I am blessed. I am blessed to live my life day by day, side by side, by a woman who loves me, who will stand by me. Go back and look, if you would, at what is said about her husband. Look at verse 11. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. He will, have no look, he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Let me tell you what, we're talking about a very special lady here. A godly woman. And what the writer is saying here is that her children and her husband, they take note. And they recognize, you know what? We got the best of the best. What kind of legacy are you creating? This lady left an indelible mark on her family members. And, if, and let me tell you what, if her family took note, I promise you the people in the community, they also took note. So listen to what he says, verse 29. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. What was it John said? That they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. This lady left a golden legacy. You know, one of the things that I do from time to time is I visit the cemetery, and I'm there more than I would like. But as I make my way to the side of an open grave, I often try to read the tombstones that I'm passing by. It's amazing to me the number of things that are said Sometimes it's not what's said, but maybe what is not said. I don't know if if, if there's something special you want placed on your tombstone. But I know this. If you've lived a good life, you can be placed in a potter's grave. But people will remember you. You won't have to have a headstone with some flowery statement about you. People will, they will remember you for who you are. And so tonight in closing, as we think about the death of a saint, I want to encourage all of us to recognize that 
Life is brief. But to make the best of it. Man, make the best of every day. I have to be honest with you. And I'm not trying to be gloom and doom. But I realize my time is running out. It's just a fact of life. And I know that at some point in time, I'll leave this world. I want to leave for a better place, don't you? But it's a better place. And John speaks of that better place. That better place is described as a place where there will be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. John said, neither shall there be any more pain. These former things are passed away. Tonight, I would hope and pray that you're in Christ. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, then we want you to know the invitation is for you to realize that Jesus died for you. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're here tonight and you believe Jesus to be the Son of God and you would be willing to repent of your sins, to confess His name before others, to be baptized into Christ, I promise you, your sins will be washed away. That's what Paul said, Acts 22, verse 16. If you're here tonight and you need the prayers of the church, maybe you're not in fellowship with God and you want to be back in fellowship with Him, why not let us pray with you and for you? It might be that you're here tonight and you're hurting and you simply need the prayers of the church. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Why not come as we stand and sing?